0: Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you were able to join us today. We hope that you're blessed by today's message from our youth pastor, Mitchell Fraser. Well, hello. Oh, I should have, I should have turned this on. How are you guys doing? Good. That's a great response. I, I got to tell you guys, that's better than our youth. You guys just responded better than our youth does, so good for you. <laughs> we got to pull teeth to get them to even say good. <laughs> Wasn't worship just amazing today? Seriously, let's give them another round of applause. That was so phenomenal. Our team, they work hard to lay the foundation for church coming in on Sunday, and it shows. So, um, yeah, I'm just so thankful the worship team did such an amazing job. This week, we're continuing our series in Luke and Acts. I get to speak out of uh, Acts chapter 9, and I'm very excited. Um, it's a great message, and uh, I hope you guys are too. And if you're not, I hope you at least enjoyed it by the end. <laughs> you know, God's, he's moving through his people, he's moving in this place as we're going through this series, and uh, he he needs us to be able to clearly see the path that he's laying out in front of us. And being here, it's one of the best ways to do that, so seriously, like, Good job to you guys for coming on a Sunday. That's a big, that's a big commitment to take out of your day, and um, God's rewarding you guys for that. Um, as you've been going through these books, it's been such a blessing. If you guys have missed any of the series at all, I encourage you guys to go back um, and listen to them. They're all online. These last few weeks especially, though, um, we've been really truly learning what it means to be an evangelist um, to ourselves and to others and, and how we can practically live that out in our lives. Um... The reason the last few weeks are important, though, is that we've actually started to learn about uh, a really important character in the Book of Acts. Um, Right now, we know him as Saul of Tarsus. He later becomes one of the most prolific members of the Book of Acts known as the Apostle Paul. That's to come, though we're we're not anywhere there yet. We're picking up in chapter 9, where we actually find him on a misguided mission he thinks is from the Lord, his God. He, along with an entourage of, of other Jewish leaders, they're heading to Damascus to locate and imprison members of this new growing cult, as I'm sure he viewed it, um, known as The Way. These are, these are the new up and coming. They're the followers of Jesus. We actually read um, at the start of this, it says he was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples and looking to imprison those followers of the way. Uh, you know, this, this is the man on a mission, and nothing but the audible voice of God is going to stop him. But we'll get there. We'll get to that. Um, first, I think we should pray, and then we can start to really unpack, you know, who this Saul guy is, um, why he was so off on his vision of God, how, you know, we can start to correct our own vision, and then how that vision can allow us to truly start seeing clearly. Amen? Awesome. So for this week, uh, we're going to pray, as we do, because it's very important. Um, but I'm going to do something a little different, actually. I encourage you guys to just close your eyes and just meditate on this word with me. I'm actually going to pray Ephesians 1, 17 to 23 over us. It's a, it's a great message. So I encourage you guys, just close your eyes, and uh, just open your hearts to receive. <sighs> All right. So God, I am thanking you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that we may know you better. God, I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in us, your holy people, and your incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength you exerted when you raised Christ, your son, from the dead and seated him here at the right hand of your heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God bless your people today. Anoint the space. Bless the service in your name. Amen. Alright, you guys, I'm loving this. You guys are into it. This is awesome. <laughs> okay, so first off, I need to tell you guys a little story um, about why vision is so important. Vision is, is a key, the key component of my service today, uh, or sorry, this service today, and um, I want to let you guys know a little story. This was years ago, um, back when I still used to live with my parents. I was in bed trying to sleep. Uh, it was probably about one in the morning. The window opened because it was warm, and All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just hear the most blood-curdling noise I've ever heard in my life. Like, I can't even describe. I was, like, immediately on edge. I was on the second floor, and I, honest to God, thought something was in the window peering at me, like, waiting to kill me. Like, like, (laughs) I was was so scared. So I, like, get up and peer out the window as slowly as possible. And I get up, and and I see our family cat outside in the driveway in an old-fashioned standoff with a fox and they're on either side of the car that's parked in the driveway and the fox is trying to get the cat and our cat's trying to juke out the fox. He was a pretty big cat. I'm actually, he did a great job, I'm not going to lie. Um, and I'm watching this and all of a sudden our cat bolts just trying to get it away, right? So the fox was chasing after him and I, I'm like, I got to go help. So I grab a robe and I run outside and I'm looking around and, and I realize that I'm now, I can't see a thing, it's dark wandering around for like five minutes, like half-naked. I'm just in like a bathrobe and my, my, like, my uh, pajama pants, wandering around, I can't see a thing. And uh, <laughs> I, I was totally blind when I got out there. I needed to actually go back inside, um, grab some real clothes, grab a light, grab my glasses, head back out. That's when I found the cat. He was hiding around the corner, all, hair all raised, freaked right out, i bring him inside. It was, it was not a good time. Um, I, honestly, I was, I was kind of hoping that I could do something a little more than just blustering around in the dark, wandering around the in streets in one in the morning. But <laughs> nevertheless, I saved the cat. Um, I was hoping to fight a fox because that would have been a way cooler story. But uh, I didn't. I didn't fight a fox, and the God God probably saved me on that one. I probably would have lost that fight if, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> if I would equipped myself, though, um, right off the bat, with the tools I needed to succeed to see clearly, I wouldn't have run in blind and been slightly more successful at my original goal of fighting a fox. Which, again, probably the saving grace of God that I didn't. Okay, so that, it's, it's relevant, I promise. The, <laughs> the chapter we're in, like I said, is chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and we get introduced to Saul, um, like I said, and I want to let you guys know who this Saul character is because he had a really messed up vision of who God was and, and it really impacts the, the steps he took um, in his journey here. So um, even if you've been following along in, in this series, we haven't really found out too much about him. Um, so I want to give you guys just a bit more context. Saul of Tarsus, he was an elite religious Pharisee. Uh, he started his studies of the Hebrew Scriptures Likely from birth. And um, with thorough and intense dedication, he devoted his life to the work of the synagogue. Um, through this work, he, he, he made his way into spiritual rightness, as I'm sure he saw it, and became one of the many Pharisees. The Pharisees, um, they were an influential religious uh, sect within Judaism uh, during the time of Christ. They're known for their emphasis on personal piety, of holiness, and the practice of Old Testament law. You know, the word Pharisee actually, it comes from Hebrew meaning separated or set apart. Um, this, is, this is how the Pharisees saw themselves. They saw them as separate from Jesus, or from Jesus' uh, people. You know, they, they taught that the Jews should observe over 600 plus laws in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Um... And they accepted this as the written word is inspired by God. At the time of Christ's earthly ministry, this would have been what we now call the Old Testament. That's what they they practiced and understood and preached. And unfortunately, the Pharisees tended to give equal authority um, to oral tradition as to the actual scriptures. And, uh, you know, saying the, the traditions went all the way back to Moses' time. This is where they believe, this is where I believe they went wrong. Evolving over the two centuries, the Pharisaic traditions had an unfortunate effect of adding to God's word, which is never what we want to see happen. You know, many of these traditions being treated as equal to um, the word of God. They had pride in their ability to be the religious best. Like I said, to be set apart, to be different, to be separate. But this is where they had an issue because when Jesus came, he turned that all on its head, right? Jesus came and he said, no, 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 I don't want there to be a divide. I want us to come together as, to one, as one people to get to God, right? And, and the Pharisees didn't like it. So they, they killed him. They killed Jesus. Sorry, spoilers, I know. Um, <laughs> this is what their, their solution was. They, well, We'll just kill him. But it was too late. The ripple effects had already come into place. You know, these were an elite um, religious community, and while misguided, they worked to fulfill what they believed was the will of God in all the land. Going back to Saul, he not only joined these ranks, but he rose high in authority among the Pharisees, known very well for his work rounding up and imprisoning Jews who had started to convert to this new religion around the prophet known as Jesus. You know, Saul, he was so regarded, he, he even said in Philippians 3, he says, If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, Faultless. This is the guy we're dealing with. I mean, a man known for being wholly unblemished in the eyes of over 600 laws. He's like, no, I haven't, I haven't broken any of those laws. I'm perfect in the eyes of the Lord, right? Like, can you imagine saying that with full confidence? Nope. <laughs> My wife knows too much. There's no way I could get away with it. <laughs> this, though, this confidence is what made him so dangerous, You couldn't convince him what he was doing was wrong because, in his mind, it was the holy work of God. He was convinced he was in right standing with the Lord, right? He was a man with a skewed vision on what he thought was a mission from the Lord, and he would stop at nothing to make sure that this new sect of faith was extinguished before it spread too far. I'm telling you guys, he was very powerful, he was very misguided. And he was very determined and he was feared by many. I say all this to tell you guys the, the importance of understanding the full picture of who he was and my God was so interested in him. So this, this is the man we meet on the road to Damascus in chapter 9 on the way to round up some Christians to be brought to justice but he could never have anticipated what he got on the way. We pick up in verse 3 and follow along. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. (laughs) I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. You know, it continues saying basically that him and his men were stunned by the display. And when Saul tried to open up his eyes, he was, he was actually blind. He found he couldn't see. So led by his men, he went to Damascus. And there he waited for three days, not knowing what to do. He says he didn't eat. He didn't even drink. You know, there's so much there to unpack. And we've only just started. This, this verse, this chapter is so packed full of God's love. Let's stop and just unpack that a little bit because... Um, We've only just started. Uh, Saul, as we said, he's a man convinced without a shadow of a doubt that he's doing God's work, right? He gets put in his place by God's own son, the man he's hell-bent on destroying the name of. He gets blinded, sent to Damascus, the place where he is seeking to, to find and kill Christians. How many of you can relate to Saul a little bit? not on the killing Christians part, but on the, <laughs> on the being so convinced that you're right part. I know I can. My wife, like I said, she can attest. Often I find myself convinced that I'm absolutely right. It just there's, I'm not wrong, right? It just You guys have been there. You know what I'm talking about. I find often that I get proved wrong by either the facts or someone like my loving wife Um, will actually open my eyes to see the full picture of what's really going on. And I'll realize that I was blind to the whole truth. You guys understand? We can often get caught up in our own ideas of what's right, what's wrong, and sometimes that thinking can allow us to think that we know what God's ideas are on the subject. Jesus warns us of this trap in Matthew 15, 14. He says, leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, they will both, uh, both will fall into a pit. The truth is that without relationship with Jesus, we can't ever hope to know what God's plans are for our lives. Nor can we have clear vision of what God is like. Saul this mighty man of God has in his head that God said these people need to die. That they must be persecuted for their sins. Right? This is what he was convinced God told him. It was the exact opposite of what, he, of what Jesus came to preach and teach and what, it's the exact opposite of what God wanted. <laughs> Personally, I've never heard the prompting of the Lord to go kill in his name. Except maybe that fox, but... Didn't succeed, so again, maybe that wasn't the Lord. (laughs) You see, when we don't have the whole picture, we can't see things for what they really are. We see only a portion, but God, he sees the whole picture, and it is so different from how we see it. Much like Saul and the Pharisees, many people live their life convinced that they are right, that their truth is the truth, right? Right? The unfortunate truth is that we're all blind to the whole truth. None of us can truly see. We all have our own individual, unique, skewed perspectives. And we don't get to see the whole picture just through our our worldly vision, right? We are blind until we turn our eyes to God. Until we open up, dig in in prayer and in his word, build relationship with him through Jesus There is no chance that we could ever truly see again. To see clearly through godly truth. Saul was so unaware of his blindness, God had to literally take away his vision to allow him to start to see. Saul's wandering around so blind and unaware that God goes, All right. I've got no other option. You just can't see now. And until you can start to see things through my eyes, through my truth, you're not allowed to. You know, we really get to see this, honestly, in this passage, just how blind he was. God talks to him audibly. The people he was with heard it too, it says. And, and his response was, who are you, Lord? <laughs> This is the state of the relationship. It was so impersonal, he didn't even recognize the voice coming to him. This was a common problem among the Pharisees. We see this in John 5. Jesus was saying, he says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point you to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. You know, these are the people who are supposed to be the most connected to God but their vision was so skewed that they can't even see him truly the way that he is. Even in all their vigorous studies of the word, still didn't recognize him. This is why we need to be humble. So we we so often don't realize that we're only seeing things through our own perspective. Only through humility May we start to see the whole picture and get a glimpse of how God sees things. This, though, is where the story takes a shift, right? Um, this is where we meet the next player in our journey. His name is Ananias. Um, Ananias was very likely a simple man, just, a, just an average Joe. Um, he was a member of this new faith group growing. The, the, they called The Way, as we've learned about. And he was very, 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 very likely in hiding from Saul. Uh, probably scared. Uh, we, get this, we get this kind of image when we're told that Saul is waiting. Saul's in the waiting. He's sitting there. He doesn't know what to do. And he starts to pray. And when he does, when Saul starts to pray, God calls to Ananias in a vision. And he says to him, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied, The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas where when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see. But but, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Basically, Ananias is saying, isn't that the guy that's coming to arrest people like me, and aren't I currently hiding from him? I mean, this guy was so scared of Saul, he would rather question God then go deal with him. Mm, you sure? Saul of Tarsus, not Saul of... Nah, it's not, it's, it's bad, guys. But the cool thing about it is we get to see a little more in depth into the life of Ananias and, and into our lives. Even when we're connected to God and know him well, we're still susceptible to Blindness. Saul, this great religious elite, was so blind to God's true vision that when God called his name, Saul didn't even know who it was or that he was persecuting um, in Jesus, uh, Jesus in God's name, right? Ananias, however, was so in tune with God that when God called him, Ananias knew who it was. He knew it was the Lord. Yes, Lord, he says. But even with that knowledge, he couldn't see the whole picture And he questioned God on his vision. The Lord assures him, though, he says, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. I'm sure that helped Ananias a little bit. Convinced, he went to Saul. Walking in, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, regained his strength and spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. This is why it's so important that we as Christians are humble enough to lay down our blindness and turn our eyes to Jesus. Saul had to humble himself, get to a point where he prayed to God for help. And then God answered. God went to Ananias to go to Saul and cure him of his blindness in his name. But Ananias was also too blind to see the fullness of the picture that God had placed before him. It wasn't until both men submitted themselves in humility to the Lord that their vision could be corrected to start to see clearly. Prayer realigns our vision from seeing through the world's perspective to seeing through God's perspective. And it's so crucial to have this right vision you know There are countless verses of Jesus reminding us. He says in Matthew 6, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be uh, full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And uh, in Proverbs 29, it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. See guys, even when we, run, even when we um, read the Bible we run the risk of interpreting it through our vision and misconstruing what God is really trying to tell us. This is why our connection to God, to Jesus, is so important. Because it's only through his grace and his vision that we can truly start to see. And the only way to God is through Jesus. That's what the Pharisees are missing. You know, Jesus tells them, in John 14, he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. And anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Right? Jesus, he's, he's laying this roadmap um, to a relationship with God. You know, more than that, actually, Jesus, he tells us he is the roadmap to a relationship with God. And he goes, here you go. Take a look. Read it. It's, it's not that simple. It's me. It's, it's, it's real easy, Right? We first, though, need to be willing to humble ourselves to realize that we're blind and in need of our vision being changed. And then we need to remain in humility and allow God to work through us and change our vision to one that might be more reflective of him. You know, Saul thinks he's enacting the righteousness of God when in fact, he's doing the exact opposite. When Jesus tells us that there's, that no one can come to the Father except through him, he meant that the only way into heaven is by following him. Right? By getting to know him. By understanding who he is and what he stands for. It's, it's really just, it's one thing, guys, to, to know the will of God. But it's another entirely to know the way of God. There's a big difference. And without connection, we're just then reading an empty book telling us to be good people. That's no good. It's a thick book, too. (laughs) That's a lot to commit to to get nothing out of it. (laughs) So he offers us a solution to this problem, right? He doesn't, just, he doesn't just give us a problem and walk away. Jesus offers us a solution, and it's him. He's the solution. Jesus, he's our only way to true salvation. He gives us the opportunity to live our lives in accordance with his. Guys, he's not a way, as in one of many. He's the way, as in the one and only I'm going to say that again. Jesus, he's not one way. He's not a path to take. He is the way, the only option to get to God, to the kingdom, to eternal life. No one, regardless of reputation, achievement, status, authority, can come to the Father except through Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh. here's the best part here's the best part <laughs> not only does he just tell us that um, he gives us a perfect guide to develop that relationship deeper he doesn't just say I'm the way, peace out no, he says prayer prayer is the way, right God wants us to be able to connect with him which is why the Bible says he left us a connection right, through the Holy Spirit now we are able to pray freely and get straight connection to God But he doesn't just leave it there either. No, he he actually gives us a guide to prayer. He says in Matthew 6, if you guys know this, follow along. If you don't, uh, both ways, if you know it or you don't, there's a lot to get out of it. So I encourage you guys, um, just meditate on this and we'll go through it real quick. Matthew 6, verse 7, it says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. You know, he continues, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive yours. You guys, Jesus talking here, he makes a point to emphasize the ease of prayer. He intentionally lets us know that prayer is not meant to be a show. It's not lip service for anyone else. It's meant to be a connection between you and your heavenly father. And prayer is the only thing that can change our vision. It, it turns our eyes off of ourselves, off of the world, off of our situation, and turns them toward him. You know, it starts with our Father. Immediately, you you turn your eyes to God. The whole prayer, he's trying to promote us to remove our vision from ourselves and to refocus our vision onto him. But because he knows it can be daunting to try and figure out how to do that, he, he gives us an example, right? It's as simple as that. It's a phenomenal scripture. I encourage you guys, it, there's a lot to dig into there, to, to read into. There's, um, we did a whole series on it back when, when COVID started. I encourage you guys to go listen to it. There's so much um, to be able to glean out of this prayer, out of this word. It's impactful and, and it's foundational to our prayer found foundation and formation for us as Christians. The point of all of that, the point of all of this now is, is partnership with God. We need to be humble enough to go to God with our blindness and allow him to correct our vision. Then, and only then, can we uh, can he start to use us to evoke positive change in not only our lives, but the lives of everyone we come in contact with. Right? When we can start to be sensitive to the promptings of the Lord, as we learned last week, we open ourselves up um, to, to what God has for not only us, but for his people that he's calling us to help. Do you guys get that? If... Ananias stayed blind, Saul wouldn't have been helped, right? Saul had to take that moment to pray and to go to the Lord, and Ananias had to take that moment to reflect on the fact that he was blind so that he could then go help save Saul from his blindness. We need to be willing to humble ourselves, to lay down our, our transgressions and our issues to be able to help the friends around us realize they're blind, and that's the call of being everyday evangelists, right? It's, unfortunately, it's not just as easy as that. It's, it's, we see here, even in the story, there's, there's much trial and tribulation ahead. God wasn't lying when he told Ananias, <laughs> when he said, show Saul, uh, I will show Saul how much he must suffer in my name. No, Saul, soon to be Paul, um, goes through hell preaching the gospel and he did not have to wait long. <laughs> Saul uh, back into our, our chapter here Saul changed by his encounter with God took to the streets and the synagogues and he started preaching the word of Jesus as a son of God and people were shocked this, this was the man that was, up, was rounding up people imprisoning them for even having just whispers of Jesus name's in the air but now he's going around and spreading the good word of Jesus more than that, he, it actually says he was baffling his people by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. <laughs> so after a while, the, the, the Jews, they, they didn't know what to do. They just, they just said, well, well, let's just kill him. We got to just kill him. I, I don't know. Do you know? I, we just got to kill him. So they posted guards all around the city, day and night. Like, if you guys see him, just finish it, Right. And Saul and his new followers that he'd, he'd um, gathered, they got word of this. And they're like, F-. they put him in a basket and brought him to a hole in the wall. And we're like, see Like, it was like, that was how he had to get out of the city. It was crazy. From there, we pick up back in verse 26. He headed to Jerusalem and tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him. Not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. (laughs) So now Saul is hated by everyone right? His own people thinks he's lost it. Like, that guy's gone, no hope. The Christians, they don't trust him. Everywhere he goes, people are plotting to kill him, to get him. And yet in the midst of all of this, God plants him an ally. Barnabas, a man of strong faith, rich in relationship with God. This is only obvious from the text because he, it's clear that he sees Saul through God's eyes, He's seeing the situation clearly, and he's willing to risk everything for it, and it doesn't say that, but you know it, because everyone's scared of Saul but but Barnabas. He stands there and he goes, "That man has got it." I'm like, "Yeah, he's nuts." He's like, "No, no, no, he's got it. He's figured it out." I mean, can you imagine if that was you? This literally could have been the man single-handedly responsible for killing or imprisoning your friends, your family, your children. It could have been his fault. Specifically, you can put the blame on one person, it's Saul. And now we're supposed to just, what, trust him? Accept him? No, no, more than that, more than that. We're supposed to listen to him and be taught by him what it means to have the love of Jesus in our hearts. Okay. Like, for most of us, that seems like an impossibility. But for Barnabas, it was a no-brainer. Because he wasn't looking at Saul with worldly vision. But with godly vision, right? He could see the whole picture. And boy, was it beautiful. This is then the call on our lives. You know, once we can discover that we're blind and can, in humility, correct our vision through prayer and by relationship with the Lord, then He can start to use us to be an encouragement to those around us. But not before, only then. To be a Barnabas. You know, His name actually means son of encouragement. That's what Barnabas means. And Barnabas, uh, he was a disciple known for himself mentoring and supporting other people. His name isn't even Barnabas, yeah. his name's Joseph. But he was such an encourager. They're like, You're Barnabas now. Like, can you, like, you're in your friends' groups, and you're like, You're like, you know, the mom of the group, as people call it. And you're like, Okay, well, your friend now is just the, your encourager. That's your name now. Like, that's, that's how awesome this guy is. <laughs> and this is reflected. When he recommends Saul to the apostles, when no one else trusted him. We need to be advocates for the truth in a world that is blind. And we need to be patient because people are going to mess it up all the time. You know, this whole story is about vision. Everyone's seeing things through their own eyes, through their own perspective, and it isn't until we can start to see the whole picture, see things through God's eyes, that we can really start to know just how blind we were. You know, having a proper vision of God gives us a proper vision of his people. Just like my cat needed me (laughs) to help him, people need our help. Also like my cat, when we don't have clear vision because we're unprepared and under-equipped or unaware just how blind we are, we can't help the people that need us. Sometimes we're so blind that we can't even see they need help in the first place. Like with our cat, it wasn't until I took an extra step in the right way to correct my vision that I could even truly help him. And that's exactly what God is calling us to do. Here's the thing, that, that verse that I quoted at the start of the message, um, Saul speaking uh, to the Philippians, it was Paul at the time, but um, that wasn't a complete thought. I didn't, I didn't finish that, that paragraph. Um, yes, he said he was zealous in faith and faultless in the eyes of the law, a Pharisee of Pharisees. This is the statement he's saying. But he continues. And he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Church, these are the words of a man who killed and locked people up in the name of the Lord. He was completely blind to the way God really saw things. And yet, God still used him. God still changed him. Who do, who do we have in our lives that we're blind to seeing God's full picture of? Who do we know that they're blind to seeing God's full picture who do we need God to remove the scales from our eyes toward So that we may see God how, So we may see them how God sees them You know, just because we might think People are unredeemable, unforgivable Unreliable, untrustworthy That doesn't mean that's how God sees them Right? They're his children, that's not how God sees his children. How blind are we to assume that God can't save someone? How little is our faith in God that we could ever assume to know who is wholly unworthy of the Lord our God's love and mercy and grace? Who gave us the right to be so unconnected with Jesus that we could ever even doubt his power for a second? Church, we are blind, and we fall short of the glory of God, always, but we are also justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came in Jesus Christ. And through prayer, we can start to learn that not only are we blind, but that others are too. And it's not until we humble ourselves before the Lord that we might start to see clearly. And once we do that, oh man, we can start to help peel the scales off of the eyes of the people around us because like we heard, if the blind lead the blind, both fall into a pit, but when we can take a second look and start to see things for what they truly are, Where God can start to use us in not waiting. Guys, we all have blindness. But as we pray and connect to the Lord, He can start to change our blindness. But we need to be willing. So who's who's our Saul? in our lives? (laughs) are, Are we called to be the Ananias, move out of our comfort zone for God? Or are we called to be the Barnabas, putting it all on the line to ensure that what we see through God's eyes is clearly shown to those around us? Or are we the Saul? Are we lost and blind and in need of a true connection with the one who saves Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.